Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Soccer 101 with Moon and Rocchio. Welcome back to the Soccer 101 podcast with myself, Moon, and Matt Rocchio. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Let's just dive right in. Let's just go straight into it. First, I want to knock out a few international things and we'll bring it back to a local St. Louis City SC as we... Uh, go into week one for uh, for playoffs for us, match one for us. Um, it's been exciting. How are you, Rakio? I'm fantastic, Moon. It's been a great week. Obviously, the buildup has been so exciting. You know, this is what we've waited for. You know, things cooled down a little bit because they, they clinched their spot and everything like that. But here we are. The game's finally here. It's been an incredible week. The fact that it ended up being uh, Sporting Kansas City, I just couldn't ask for any more than that. I mean, just it's so perfect. I know a lot of people wanted maybe the easier out in San Jose, but the fact that we get potentially a uh, Derby if you want to call it, or however you want to refer to it as, you know, I-70 Classico, we get, you know, additions four, five, and potentially even six. So I'm so excited for this game on Sunday and, th- and this whole series, Moon. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. We'll get into it even more later, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it couldn't have been written more perfect. And mm-hmm. the MLS is just like licking their lips. I mean, like, oh, this, you know, the, they've been trying to build this rivalry thing yeah. for a number of years with all these markets. And then St. Louis City comes in and it's like, oh, this perfect rivalry. Let's get this SKC, uh, STLSC um, rivalry going. And psh, first first year and first round, best two out of three becomes that I-70 series. Um, absolutely incredible. And you know what? It's all in our favor, not only because we're a better team, <clears throat> and because we deserve it. But uh, as far as the regular season record, we're two and one against them. We have home field advantage and they haven't beat us here yet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and not only do you have home field advantage, not only did you, they not beat you here, you trounced them. I mean, four nothing or four nil and then four one. And, and the only, they only beat you two to one at their home park. So, I mean, you owned this series, you, especially like you said, you owned it at city park and I expect to see the same from them, you know, at least on Sunday, if not into, you know, games two and, and potentially if we needed a game three, I just think city's such a solid team. And listen, I know sporting Kansas city, everyone's probably screaming at the, at, at the screen. You know, they have been very much weighted down by that terrible start where they, you know, were, didn't win a game in their first 10 games. They lost, uh, I think they lost seven and drew three of them in their first 10 games. And the complete opposite, they closed out the season with six wins out of their last nine matches. And so they'd be in a different spot. They'd be a four or five seed if you can erase the first two months of the season. But importantly, all three of those games happened outside of that horrible stretch to start the year by Sporting Kansas City. They got them right at the end of it, uh, that first you know, really terrible stretch, that first 4-0 shellacking. They got them right at the end of it. But 
I, I just don't think that you can just completely throw away, you know, the four one win from September 30th. You know, that was, you know, they were, they were missing Johnny Russell, one of their best players, but he didn't make a huge impact in that first game. And, and, and I don't think he's going to make that outsize of an impact for game three or game, yeah. game one. Yeah, I think, I think you're right, but they are on fire. They are on a little tear. And speaking of fire, I got a new, new shirt here. There it is. I like that. I like yeah, that. that was a, a gift from Together Credit Union. If you're watching on the YouTube, uh, on the stream or on socials or something, you're going to notice that my green screen is missing right now. So if you see my dog jumping around in the back and messing with the couch in the background. It's actually doing uh, a good job. The green screen's surviving. We're doing okay. good. Okay, that's that's good. But uh, yeah, welcome back to Soccer 101. Thank you for everybody uh, joining us and, and subscribing and sharing throughout the year. Um, I mentioned I'd like to hit just a couple international stories. One, there's a couple friendlies going on that just happened. U.S. women's national team played a scoreless draw against Colombia in a match that featured uh, numerous U.S. chances, a missed penalty kick, a strong first half, strong defensive performance on both sides. Alex Morgan uh, had a PK to smash off the right post. Uh, but you know what? The shutout marked <clears throat> goalkeeper uh, Alyssa Nayer's ninth this year with the USWNT, and that ties her career high for clean sheets in a calendar year. She had nine in 2018 and 2019. So once again, here we go again with more uh, great goalkeepers coming out of the U.S. Super exciting there. That's a little bit of international news. And speaking of international news, uh, USMNT, the United States men's national team, uh, might be excited about this. Johnny Cardoso, a dynamic U.S. international guy. I think he has seven caps. Uh, he has an Italian passport. He's been playing in Brazil, I believe, but he is on the verge of joining La Liga club Real Betis. So uh, that would be great. I mean, that's one of the top leagues in Europe. Um, it might be a little tougher on Burhalter's uh, selections when it comes to certain things is because La Liga is a heavy league. Um, but you know what? That's cool. I love seeing our guys get more and more and more experience. It's just going to strengthen our U.S. national teams uh, as we go on. But that's just a little bit of international news. Let's bring it back to City and what we go on, what really, we got going on here. Quickly before we do, though, Moon, I just want to say, it's not like Greg Burhalter's ever really struggled with making – you know, lineup decisions or anything like that. So the good thing is to make it even more confusing for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, a, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's just a little added headache in the best of ways. That's, this is like a good headache. You know, there I mean? you go. There you go. Like you said, let's bring it back a little bit to the, to the, to the MLS, obviously playoff game Sunday. It's a late one, 9 PM at city park, but a little bit of news early this week away from the game was the MLS season long awards have been announced. The finalists, I should say, have been announced. City has four finalists. Roman Berkey, finalist for goalkeeper of the year. Edward Leuven, newcomer of the year. Carnell, coach of the year. And Tim Parker, defender of the year. Um, I think it's a little bit odd that Berkey isn't a finalist for MVP as well. But nonetheless, an impressive job by City putting together four finalists for the season-long awards in season one. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, I think a couple of these are obvious. I uh, I uh, will fully admit yet again, you know, I was a Leuven doubter originally. The first couple matches, I saw a lot of things that like freaked me out and worried me, and I was like, I don't want a number ten that I'm freaked out about. And um, he's proven me wrong, and I'm 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 I am the happiest guy in town that he has proven me wrong. So for all those people that were giving me crap. Shut up, man! Like I'm, I'm just a diehard fan, man, and I'm, a, I'm a soccer enthusiast, and I saw there some things go. that freaked me out, worried me. But he, uh, he's proven me wrong. I think he 100% deserves that. 
I think Carnell 100% deserves anything and everything he's up for. Absolutely. Um, Berkey as well. Parker, you know, Parker's had some shaky moments, freaked me out a little bit. Um, Miazga's, I mean, Miazga was the, was the, the, you know, the center man on the back line. That was the best team in the league in FC Cincinnati. I have a feeling that there's a good chance, like you just said, they take three out of the four and maybe Parker's the odd man out and, and, and so. the big man Miaga takes the one in the defender of the year. Yeah, I, th- I, I think, I think you hit the, hit the nail on the head. Parker had some really, really good moments. Moments and it has been obviously a strong, consistent present for us, uh, presence for us. Uh, but there was some impressive, and I've and I've talked about this. This league is not an impressive defensive league. It's just not. It, it, you're not seeing a ton of world class um, defensive backs uh, or you know defensive lines. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, but you'll have your stars here and there. And honestly, that's kind of where your star defenders and your important defenders really make the difference because a lot of times you'll have somebody like Parker back there. Um, or 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 some of these other guys playing with not not world class uh, de- defenders. Not everybody can be can be world class defenders. You, you know I what I'm wonder, saying? Is is that because I don't I don't think it's a, it's a terrible league center back wise. I just think that Europe over the last ten years has seen this explosion. Yes. In how important fullbacks and wingbacks are. Yes. And I think you 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 haven't seen that growth of the game in in mls as much with the fullbacks especially i don't think there's any i don't think there's anywhere near just percentage wise or representative there's nowhere near the amount of teams that are playing that heavy wingback style where those guys are being asked to cover the entire pitch the entire game and be a huge part of every single part of that city's doing it a lot with their fullbacks but i I really don't i think that's where the difference is in mls is that center backs we got some good big ones parker nielsen miazga you 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 see it you know here in st louis but i really do think you're right and but it's the fullbacks were really the MLS has kind of fallen behind Europe and, and parts of the rest of the world. Yeah, well, dude, it's not a sexy thing. I, I was a defender. I was like a trained defender, and I was freaking good at it. And 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 it mattered to me because it wasn't like this heroic or sexy sort of thing, um, mm-hmm. the, the defense. And I hate to sound like Mourinho or like those old NFL coaches that say, like, defense wins games. And it, they don't do it in sexy ways necessarily. They don't do it in even very obvious ways. Um, but – it, you're right. There was like a revolution in the early 2000s, especially in Europe, especially in England, where uh, uh, where defense became like the wow, like this is an absolute key component that we need to start focusing on as much as we're focusing on our star strikers or our number tens, um, and uh, and a lot of those. I I think it's harder to come by great world class defenders, and when they're noticed um, from coaching staff, scouting, and, uh, and, and GMs and things, they're pulling them to Europe and they're pulling them to the bigger league. So yeah, we're, we're going to compete with that. So naturally I'm not shouting uh, down on the MLS for being a weak defensive league because it's a, it's a big league that's growing. We're continuing to rosters. We're continuing to add teams. So, that we, so we got to fill spots. And the greatest thing is a lot of times we will, um, have great defenders come out of here or, or come through here, get noticed here, and then pulled off to, to, to bigger leagues to make bigger money. And I understand that. Uh, but it is something that plays into the strategy of all these all these games and all these teams, I'm sure. Um, a a great example, I think, that, that, that we want to localize this to MLS, I think it has to be that up in Toronto, I believe it was, it was, it was for Toronto, um, Alfonso Davies becomes one of the brightest young offensive stars in the MLS. Then when he does get a big money transfer to Europe, 
now half the time, you know, he's playing either left back or left wing back for his European club that, you know, and, and Bayern's been one of the best, you know, most revolutionary clubs in using their wing back. I think that's a great example of how different things are is that you take a young 17 year old star wonderkin for the MLS who's playing an offensive mainly position and more of like a winger. And then you switch him over when he gets to Europe. I think that's kind of a really good example of how differently the leagues are thinking about things. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, a lot, a lot of the wingback stuff has uh, has shifted greatly. Just even the mindsets and the way that they're they're doing formations. You got guys like Juan Bissaka, and um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, think of Gareth Bale. Like everybody thinks about Gareth oh, Bale yeah, as, as you know, a solid eleven. Like you know, this dude was a striker. He went over on one of the biggest transfer fees ever over into the Spanish leagues from uh, from Tottenham. Dude was like a left back. This yeah, is a defender. That's a good point. That's and a really in fact, and in fact, he had a he had a rough year or two where people were like, "Get this guy out of here," until he had these ridiculous runs, and they really started to train him as a uh, incredible uh, left back. And all of a sudden, the guy was out sprinting everybody, and they started putting him up top to see what would happen. So, anyways, yeah, it's it's defense. World class defense is is hard to come by. It is improving in the MLS, and that is one of the biggest things I've seen improve in the last, uh, I would say, two seasons in the MLS, and I'm proud that we have good representation here uh, in St. Louis and, uh, and and from St. Louis. Um, it's going to be a heck of a, a couple weeks. Like we mentioned before, St. Louis versus KC. This is a big, awesome, cool new rivalry that's somewhat an old rivalry, not like we ever hated the Royals or – uh, or the Chiefs or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But this is something the MLS has been wanting us to do. They want us to hate KC. They want it to be um, uh, th- this rivalry. I, I I never see it becoming one of those Blues-Blackhawks kind of things. I see it being a Cardinals-Royals things. Or okay. um, I don't know. I think it's different. I think, especially because it's a younger group, and I'm not saying this is a lot of people, but I know for, speaking from my personal experience, if you're a St. Louis person who went to – Let's say you went to Mizzou, where you hit, a, where you see a lot of KC people. Yeah, you start noticing that there is like I didn't, when I grew up in St. Louis, I had never had a rivalry for Kansas City, but then I ta- I go to Columbia and I learned that Kansas City has a rivalry with us. Oh, and good. I think that over the years that Kansas City, you know, always kind of looking down on St. Louis and taking their shots. I think that's grown to now where St. Louis people happily take shots at Kansas City in the exact same way. So I honestly think that this rivalry, if this rivalry would have hit ninety five. Maybe it's a little bit different because I just don't know if the cities had that kind of animosity. But I think right. over the years, I think the animosity has grown a little bit. And it's 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 fun. It's playful. But I do think it is a little bit of heavier rivalry in yeah. year one than people expected. Well, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I think the success and the energies that that our club has, has brought and, and, and the successes that KC's had over the last couple of years. Remember with the Wizards and all that? That was like oh, God, a dying yeah. business. and yeah. It was just a mess. Um, so yeah, I, I think the energies have created the rivalry. So let me refine what I was, what I was saying. I don't think we're ever going to have the absolute hatred and like violence that the blues Blackhawks, when I was a kid and went to my first hockey games, those Blackhawks, I saw a guy go over the railing. Like people were, that would have been the arena, right? Yeah, dude, people were fighting and like throwing people downstairs and I'm saying that. So let me refine what I'm saying. I don't think we're dumb enough to get like crazy violent but i do think the rivalry with this will be a landmark rivalry in the mls mm-hmm. um you know growing from this first season seed uh and and hopefully hopefully we're meeting these guys in the playoffs all the time i wish them the best i want them to be good enough for us to really really need the energy to push them not off the 
real stairs, but off the, you know, the proverbial stair. I don't know what the word is, but you, you know, the figurative stairs. There you go. Yeah, no proverbial, <laughs> no proverbial was right. Well, speaking of which, um, I, I really think it, it, it's crazy just how much people were talking about the the rivalry. And and I'm going to go a little bit differently. I know a lot of people, you know, are, the rivalry is a big thing and it's a derby match. You never what's gonna, know what's going to happen with derby matches, but I'm going to try to figure out what's going to happen with this derby match. So, so I want to dive into two big topics with you, Moon, here um, about this game. My first one's going to be about the starting lineup. And that was we saw pretty much what I thought was almost a 100% starting lineup from City in their last home game against Seattle. I do think there's going to be a couple changes. My first one is I think, based on what we heard from Bradley Carnell in the postgame, I think Andy Vasilev is in their top 11 right now. So my question for you is, if you put Vasilev into the Seattle Sounders lineup, he's going to go with the into the midfield spot next to Jabulo Blom which is going to move Akio Watts either out or to right back. So my question for you is, if you put Vasilev in with Blom at the pivot, which I think is going to be the case, and you can disagree there, do you want Watts or do you want Nowinski at the right back spot? You know, that's a great question. I I think, I think, and see, I don't know t- enough about KC uh, to know – you know, I mean, starting 11 really, in my opinion, needs to be decided depending on, you know, your strategy in that particular battle, this particular match. So without really knowing too much about KC and what their starting 11 is going to look like or their attack uh, in this home game. And remember, we are at home for this. I would say I put I put Watts on the bench okay. and and wait to see what happens and possibly use him in that right back scenario and possibly use him in the midfield if I need him. I, I think um, I think your starting 11 truly matters, but I think your bench and what you plan on doing with your bench uh, is is not too far behind. Uh, that was a coaching strategy that was always uh, kind of drilled into me from indoor to, to high school to all this from some great coaches that I watched. They really – really focused on all the weapons, not just the starting 11 weapons. And I think, um, yeah, I think starting the Winsky on the right is, is, is maybe the way I would go in, in match one. And I think that could drastically change in that match two over in KC. And the other spot I think we could see a change is up top at the striker spots. They started against the Seattle Sounders, Zhao Klaus and Nico Joachini. I know, obviously, Joachini, it, it changes it a little bit because of his Kansas City ties. Obviously, I know it's different for him. I know he wants to start, but earlier this week on 101 ESPN on the opening drive, uh, they were joined by Andrew Wiebe, who is one of the MLS Pass uh, hosts and analysts, and he actually weighed in on what he thinks should be City's call at the striker position. And they've sort of been shuffling here in these last two games of the regular season, but if I'm Bradley Carnell, I go back to the well. You want a direct player that's good over the top in 1v1 situations. I would go Jao Klaus and Sam Adenaran up top, be ready to play direct over the top, and we know Klaus's quality. Saw the two goals against Kansas City on September 30th. Adenaran has been a monster against these rivals across I-70. So I would go with those two. And for- I, I 100% agree. I 100% yeah, absolutely. agree. If it was early in the season, I would say Joe Akini 100%. Uh, Adenaran just didn't show uh, the confidence. Um, or, or and Maybe he had it, but I didn't see it in the beginning of the season and was somewhat of a doubter. And and recently, like he mentioned, going back to the well, uh, Adenaran is confident up there. He is great over the top, and he is uh, more of an intimidating presence. And one thing that I think coming out of this um, with Casey coming into City Park 
is the influence, the in intensity and the intimidation. And obviously we're going to have a ton of energy as far as pro city, you know, pro our guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the cheering. But it needs to be a scary place. And I think we can be a scary place. I know that, um, you know, St. Louis is known for being welcoming and we're, we're, Road we're, to hell. we're, yeah, we're a great sports team. But I want this to be a scary place. This should be like, uh, you know, Sunderland uh, over in uh, over in England or, or I mean, Steam even, of, of Light reference, everybody. Hold on a second. Yeah. Even even like like Anfield is kind of a scary place for people to go into. Um and and I and I see that being an important part of the psychology. And this is a very psychological team. We're we're I mean clearly uh, from the get go has never really gotten too um, flat footed. I mean it happened a few matches, but not really on the whole. We were never really flat footed if we went by if we went behind. It wasn't. It, it didn't look like a very discourageable club. Yeah. And and I think going forward, all the psychology really really matters. And I think a dinner on up top presents a much more much more imposing sort of um, psychological uh, barrier for Casey to get past. Now, I love Joe Acchini. I love him as a person. I love him as an interviewer uh, or an interviewee. I love him as a player. But I think two, twofold, uh, Adeniran is the right choice. One, he's a scarier presence up there right now to Casey and, and their defense. Two, Joe Acchini, I think Joe Acchini needs to sit and and just be pining and pissed off that he's Whoa. not starting and and no. needs to and needs to I think he needs to have something to prove so if he gets it when he goes in, over to KC or heaven forbid a game 3 um that he's like ready to shred because I love the guy I think he spends 60 seconds too long on the floor I think he needs to get up and and just be I think he needs to be a scarier person I, re I really do because I think he has he's got the speed he's got the skills he's got all that but he doesn't have this like I'm gonna kill you vibe you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a, a line from Ted lasso here the one thing that Sam Adenarin does that we need to see more from Nico Joachini he runs like he's mad at the ground <laughs> that's that's what Sam Adenarin does and that's what we need to see from Nico Joachini yeah, and Joe Kinney, Joe Kinney can't do that. He's a he's a flyer. He he floats. He floats and flies, and 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 that's great. That can be scary if you don't stay on the ground too too long, and if you don't, you know, let you, let yourself get pushed around, and then and then wait for a call or or, or whatever. And I'm not saying Joe Kinney does that all the time. I'm just saying he's a lighter presence, and he doesn't need to be. He needs to be a much heavier presence. Not in his speed, not in that kind of stuff, but in the psychology of of an attacker against a defender. One other big thing coming from this game has been to talk about what style we're going to see. Obviously, when City win, when Sporting, excuse me, wins their first game in shootouts, and they already have what, the best shootout goalie of all time, it makes you think: How is their style going to change? Could they play, try to play for a draw in game one, guarantee themselves that this is going three games? How could that style change? The opening drive earlier this week asked Andrew Weeby about this. Could he see? Sporting KC trying to park the bus and play for shootouts in one of these games. It could work. I wouldn't bet on it working at City Park, given the goal-scoring volume we've seen there this year and the way the two games between the two teams have gone. But I'm very curious in these three-game series to see how road teams in particular approach leg one, knowing if you can get to 90 minutes in a draw, whether it's 0-0, 1-1, whatever, you can get 10 million between the pipes and a penalty shootout. He's 7-0 all time. He's the best penalty shop stopper in the history of Major League Soccer. That is not a debatable point. That's just a straight-up fact. Now, the other fact is, is that Roman Berkey is Tim Melia's equal, in particular from the run of play. 
when you watch the first three games between these two, these two teams, there is one difference maker that's there in every single game that changes games, and it is Roman Burke. So do you think you could see them maybe trying to slog it down? Maybe not in game one. Maybe they try to do it at home. But I think there's a good chance one of these two games they're trying to play for all 90. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, that, that stats, I still say Nick Romando – uh, in his prime, if he were given all, all those opportunities, might might have been an even better uh, shootout guy. But uh, you know what? I don't I don't see them doing that. I see them looking like it. Listen, if if I were out there and I'm coaching Casey and I know what I know about City and I know my confidence in my uh, my my goalie and all that kind of stuff, PKs are still a whole crap ton of luck. Like yep. there, there there is a good amount of 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 strategy and all that kind of stuff but a lot of times like stats like fall your way on occasion i'm not taking anything away from the skill of shot stoppers when when it comes to that but nobody wants to go there nobody wants to win on that nobody wants the pressure of 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 having uh, playoff games decided by pks and remember that's what happens at the end of regulation for these for these uh, uh these playoff games here so um i see them looking like looking like and if this is if it were me i would look like i'm trying to park the bus and play for that and show that hand for about eight or eight or ten minutes but i would have a gnarly dump and run counterattack aggressive counterattack thing planned and it would be it, it would be a oh let's show our hand we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play for 90 try for a nil nil here and, and get the pks but i that would be a total fake a total fake and um, I don't see KC doing that. I, I don't see KC yeah. doing the park the bus thing here at, at City Park because because they have the safety of knowing that they get to go home. True. And, and if they can take points here, they can take real points here and not have to stress about some PK sort of thing, which, I mean, at some point you're going to lose one. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Um, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I see it being unlikely, which is. Which is fun. This is this is going to be the 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 most fun thing to see. Is what's this first ten minutes going to show us about the strategies here? I agree with you, and those first ten minutes are going to be just crazy important. Both Weeby and they also, you know, we we had Roman Berkey on the show earlier today. You can catch that full uh, interview at one hundred one ESPN.com. And even Berkey said it too. He goes, "Listen, I I told the guys." Let's get an early goal uh, so I don't have to worry about going to shootouts against that guy. Uh, and, and Weeby said the same thing. The hunt for the first goal is going to be the definitive aspect of this game. Because, again, you look at every single game. City scores first. They run out 4-0. Uh, uh, Sporting gets two early goals at home. They win that game 2-1. And, again, St. Louis City in an, a very slow game, that, that September 30th game. We don't get the first goal until late in the 70th, in, into the 75th minute, I believe it was. And then we get four goals from – uh, City and another goal from Sporting KC. So, I mean, everything that's happened in this series so far has been defined by when does that first goal happen because everything afterwards goes that team's favor yeah. overwhelmingly for the most part. So that first goal, those first 10, 15 minutes, if something big happens there, this entire series is going to go ahead and be tipped in somebody's favor. Yeah, dude, goalies are crazy people, and uh, and and that's a good thing. Um, and I have a little bit of crazy too. I freaking love playing goalie. And my I played goal, play goalie in a different sport that's just as crazy. So I yeah, understand it. I know it's all it's all they're all the same. They're all crazy. Um, I I played goalie in a uh, in a in a very serious competitive men's A league when I was in my twenties, and uh, we went to a, the finals, and I was the goalie in a PK championship. Uh, uh, match there. And I'll tell you what, I don't know professional goalies if they feel like it's me versus the other goalie. I never felt like the way I did not care about the other goalie. I'm glad you said that. Um, For for me, it was actually like, I'm at war with these next five guys and I will kill every 
one of you people, you mean nothing to me and I will stop you. And I did win that PK, but I, I did win that championship there with a save in the fifth one, but I never even considered the other goalie being a factor. I didn't care about him. It's funny you said that because when we asked him, uh, Carrie Davis actually asked him, like, you know, are you thinking about that, that Melia is is that good? And, you know, you're trying to just, like, play, you know, at his level. And he's like, no, I'm thinking about my own level. And and I don't have that clip here. Speaking of Berkey, though, I, I didn't want to play this one. It's a little bit longer, but I think it's really important that fans hear this because they they asked Roman Berkey about when he knew that this team was going to defy a lot of the prognosticators. They, when, he, when did he know this team was going to be legit? And earlier today, you were talking about the psychology of a team and how important that is. I do not know if I've heard a quote, a clip, or anything from a city player better than Roman Berkey right, that you're about here right now that tells you that this is a team with an absolute championship mentality and championship relationships inside the locker room. Here's Roman Berkey from earlier today talking about when he knew this team was going to be legit. Uh, the first time I, I had the feeling that this could be something special was already in preseason when we had a meeting. We talked about uh, private stuff, you know, like what everyone went through at some point. And um, it was a very emotional uh, meeting, you know, between the players. And um, that was something special, you know. I player shared uh, private stories and it's kind of... It was very good to get to know each other, you know, how, how you guys, how the guys react sometimes um, in in difficult situations, you know, what each of on or what what the guy needs um, when he goes through a hard, hard phase, you know, maybe during the season and every player is very, very good in, in, in getting to know that, you know, and feeling that um, we have almost no egos in the team, you know, so um, that's, that's very important, and I think that was the first time. The preseason. That's big. They, they sit down. They go. I, I think you said they were in Palm Springs for the trip, and they sit down and and they open themselves emotionally to to new teammates that they had never really played with before. Yeah. And 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 that mindset is clear to me that it has been pervasive from day one, and it is a huge reason that they are sitting here today as the number one seed in the West, about to play in the playoffs in their first ever season. That story just – if I was confident in City winning a lot of games and win, doing really well in the playoffs before I heard that story, that doubled or tripled it. It was incredible to hear that from Berkey. Yeah, that's a mature thing to say and a mature a mature thing to uh, pick up on. And that's that's – it's super cool to hear that one one of our you know one of our captains our our like our our leaders our mature leaders is noticing that kind of stuff and 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 know, knowing acknowledging how big of a role that's going to play uh, in uh, you know in weeks months and seasons to come it's that's so cool that our we're so fortunate that the that the whole culture of this club and its fans and uh, and the town has evolved and started, you know, where, where it did and has evolved into where it is now because it's just like a, we get to see the trajectory, the plan of it all, and really the foundation has, has been laid perfectly. Like, how fortunate are we, man? We're so we're so lucky to be here. This, it's, it's so cool. Not just the playoffs and the success and all that, but just like, you know, seeing the right things being done from the get-go. They care. Like, listen, they understand. Like, on Thursday night, I didn't get to go. I was really bummed. My schedule didn't work out. But uh, on Thursday night, they opened another one of their mini pitches uh, at Grand Park over in Illinois and, and a couple of the players were there and it was a big thing where they're, where they're getting all these kids together you know to open up this new mini pitch I mean there's nothing more indicative to how important uh, sports can be for a community and when you see a team doing it you feel it you know when when the Blues do something or when City does something when the Cardinals do something you feel it and if you're not used to that if you come from a city where your teams didn't do it it is immediately noticeable when you have a club that is 
that is, t- you know, putting its fingerprints on the community. And City's been doing it since day one. They continue to do it even when the guys have to be in just an incredible, you know, my, you know, you know, mindset because of the playoffs and everything. I can't imagine how busy they are, how stressful they are. And yet they're out there playing with these kids and, and, and working out there in community. I love to see it. I cannot wait for Sunday. It's going to be a really special game, a really special atmosphere, Moon. Yep, 9 p.m. I know it's a late one, 9 p.m. <laughs> and if we, uh, uh, whatever happens, it is a best two out of three. So then the following Sunday, it goes to, um, is it Sunday? Yeah, I think yeah, it's Sunday. It'll be game two will be Sunday at 5 p.m. At, uh, um, at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City. And then if there is a necessary game three, it would be the following Saturday. I believe that's November 11th. And I think that'd be a 4 p.m. kickoff here at City Park. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, we great episode. Great Wait, hold episode. on a second, Moon. I think I think we got to do it here. We we're not we're not bound by the by the broadcasters any rules here. Oh, yeah. What are we doing? I think I think it's responsible for us. I think we got to drop. A, we have to drop a uh, a prediction here, Moon, of what happens game oh, one yeah, between city call. between city and Sporting. I think we got to do it. Good call. Good call. I'm down here. You you go first because I'm I'm thinking about my score right now. Here we go. I'm gonna go with uh three one. City scores early, gets a second one. Sporting makes it interesting with one more, but then City puts a nail in the coffin, gives himself a nice little, you know, um, some breathing room in the last few minutes. So I'm I'm gonna go with a three one win for City over Sporting in game one. I think KC is coming in kind of afraid and they're going to be intimidated in a way that they weren't expecting here. But I do think that that's going to cause a really, really gnarly physical fight. Yeah, it is. Um, I think City wins two to one. I, like I that. think Leuven does get on the board and I'm going to say a Dineron probably scores the Ooh. first. Calling your shots. I'm going to go with uh, I'm not going to call all three. AZ Jackson gets one. I'm cool. not sure which one he gets, but of the three, Izzy Jackson gets one. He's been he's been hunting. I'm telling you what, if his if his afro was slightly different, or like if the air would have taken it and placed it slightly different when he jumped for a header, <laughs> he has a goal against against Seattle. It's just that he, he was he wasn't getting the right angle off off the fluff. And I understand that it, sometimes you you don't you don't really know where it's going to go. I understand that it's completely fair, but this time he's going to figure it out. But maybe a little extra pomade. He gets one side a little flatter, <laughs> and he goes at it like Slabhead used to for uh, for England. So yeah, I'll I'll take AZ for one. I say no need for PKs in this uh, round at all. Damn right, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna I don't think we're gonna need it, um, and it's gonna be fun. So yeah, we'll we'll. We'll talk to you next week on another episode of Soccer 101. And until then, uh, for Matt Rocchio, uh, The Point, ESPN, uh, everything, go! Go!